All right, so if you have your Bibles this morning, or if you have a device that has scripture on it, or if you can read, <laughs> uh, cheat off of somebody, there you go. Well, I, I understand. Trust me, I, I understand. <laughs> I know that very well. <laughs> if you have, there you go. Got to get the device there that has the uh, scriptures on it. <laughs> Turn to Luke chapter number six. Luke chapter number six. And I'm just going to read here in verse 17, Luke chapter six. Bible says in Luke chapter six, verse 17, and he, speaking of Jesus, he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. They all came to see him. And they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him, and he healed them all. So what we're talking about in this passage of Scripture are the multitudes. And what are the multitudes? When we first started this series, we talked about the multitudes are those who are the admirers of Jesus. Come on. And then from that group of admirers, we have some. We have some inquirers. And then from there, we have few that will then become what we're going to talk about today as responders. We've talked about admirers, we've talked about inquirers, and today we're going to talk a little bit about responders. Now, what is a responder? In this series we have called Follower. A responder along that journey is the one that will step up at the right time and say, I will. I'll do it. Here I am. Send me. I saw it a little bit yesterday, you know, after our family reunion and we were gathering things up. And then there were a few that stood around and, uh, you know, thought, well, you know, I need to help. You know, my daughter even stood up and said, hey, I feel like I should help. What can I do? You know, and that's what a responder is. They say, well, what can I do? Where can I help? And I see, seen it from a lot of you, Brother Keith, Brother Jeff, a lot of people in here. Have, we've done events. We've done different things. And you've come up and said, hey, listen, uh, it looks like you may have it covered, but what can I do? Can I help? Is there something I can do, something I can offer? And that's what a responder is. That's what we're talking about today as you're along this journey. I think we've framed it out uh, enough already, hopefully, that you may be able to find yourself in this journey, whether you're an admirer, whether you're an inquirer, whether you're a responder, a true follower, or what we really want to get to is a reproducer. You should be able to find yourself in this journey. Now, the series is called Follower. My definition of follower is simply this. A follower is a person who knows, come on, who loves and serves Jesus as supreme passion of life. And this is where we get caught up, though. That sounds good. Yes, I love Jesus. I serve Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I, I believe he died on the cross for the remission of my sins, but here's the point where, it where the rubber meets the road. Everything else comes second. Everything else comes second. And this is what we're striving for. 
The everything else comes second. Now, the admirers, again, were the multitudes of people. They are attracted to Jesus. Why? Because he is wonderful. He can do something for them. He's powerful. He's willing to touch their lives. They've heard that this man is in town and people are getting healed and touched and that one got delivered. So, listen, I have something that I need, so I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm an admirer of him. I'm going to go and see what it is that he can do for me. And we talked about inquirers. Who are they? Those are the many people who go one step further. Now, these folks have some questions. How many have had some questions? I know I've been there. Where you may call it religion or where it comes to Christianity or just God. You know, some of us just have some questions. I know I have a ton of questions. Come on. But inquirers are those who are curious about Jesus. And they take it a step further because they actually spend time trying to find out what he's all about. They spend time around him to see how deep they wish to go. I'm not saying that I want to go deep just yet, but I want to find out some more about you. So I'm going to ask some questions to see how deep I want to go with this thing. That's an inquirer. And then there are those who even go a little further. Those are the responders. These people are, they respond to Jesus. Now, they respond to him positively with an attitude that asks this simple, simple question. What more does God want of me? Okay, uh, you know, you've given your life to me, the Lord says. You've prayed the prayer, you know, salvation, or you made a decision that you want to know more. You're, you're an inquirer, and now you want to know more. And, and now you're saying, what more do you want of me, Lord? I'm saying, okay, well, uh, I, I would like you to come. I would like you to gather with the other Christians at church. This way, you can be charged up. You can get some word. You can worship. You can have corporate prayer. Uh, do not forsake the assembly. All right. And so, I want you to get together. I want you to go to church with those others. Okay, God, I can do that. What more do you want of me? Okay, well, you know what? I'd like you to take it a step further. Now, I'd like you to be discipled. I'd like you to hook up with somebody who can tell you a little bit more about me, who can lead you on a journey. Something more than just listening to a sermon on Sunday mornings. Maybe you get together with someone from the church outside of the church and talk a little bit about the Bible or talk a little bit about Jesus. This is called being discipled. You see, just because you're in church doesn't make you a disciple, okay? And so now Jesus says, I want you to be discipled. And you say, okay, I can do that. What more do you want of me? I'm talking about a responder here this morning. What more do you want of me? Well, I'd like for you to serve. You know, the church that you're going to needs some help in the van ministry. Come on. And so I'd like you to step up and say, Lord, I'll help. They need some help in children's church. They need help with ushers. About to go to old school there. Ursha, don't do it. Okay. Ursha's. We need some help in the ushering department. You need to go see Kalen and say, God sent me over here to help. You're saying, what more, Lord, do you want of me? That's a responder. A responder makes a decision that actually becomes, it becomes to a pivotal point in their life where they make a decision and that point is this, the point of no return. You've stepped over the line and said, I'm not going back. Come on, anymore. 
You stepped over the line and said, I'm not going back. I'm in it to win it. Come on. I'm in this thing. I'm all in. Remember at the beginning of the year, some of you remember, I said, who's going to say I'm all in? And most of you said, I'm all in. Jesus wants to know, are you all in or not? A responder is the one that will say, I am the person, Lord. A responder is like Isaiah that says, here I am, Lord, send me. When God asks, whom shall we send? Who can take care of this task? A responder says, me, I'll do it. I don't know what all it entails. I don't know what's all involved. I don't know how much pain it might cause me. But guess what? No matter what, because of who you are, I'm responding. Come on. The responder asked that very important question. What more do you want of me, Lord? Responder doesn't necessarily know what they're responding to in depth. Come on. You don't know. You don't know everything that you're responding to in depth. See, an inquirer wants to know. I'm not talking about an inquirer today. We talked about that person last week. An inquirer wants to know. Well, what am I getting into? Well, how long is it going to take? Well, uh, do I get some relief? Well, what if I get tired? Well, what if I have to do laundry? Do I still have to do it? Well, what if my girlfriend calls me and wants to go out? Then can I get out of it? An inquirer has some questions to know if they're going to go deeper. But see, a responder now has stepped over that line and said, I'm in. What are we going to do? I'm here. You know, what were we going to do? We're having a play. We need to build a set. I don't know what all it takes. I may not even know how to use tools. But guess what? I'm here. I'm in now. I can't go back. So tell me, what do you want me to do? That's, that's a responder. You know, it's kind of like a marriage. You know, you can be an inquirer to a marriage. But if you remain an inquirer, guess what? You will never get married. All right, Jody, it'll never happen. Or having children. You can be an inquirer, but you, as long as you continue to inquire, you'll never have. Well, how much money do we need to have the baby? Well, how, what kind of job, what kind of career? Well, what insurance do we need to have? Well, how, what color do we need to paint the room? You can ask questions all day long, but guess what? None of those questions, are, you can ask them, but, but none of them are going to help you have the baby. And some of them won't be answered until you say, I do. Or until you have the baby. You can ask all day long, but some questions just will not be answered until you're in it. How cold is the water really? I mean, I stuck my toe in and it seems kind of cold. But I'm not really sure how cold it is until I jump in. And then I realize it's cold. But you really don't know. I mean, when, you're, when, you, when you ask somebody to marry you or someone asks you to marry them, uh, you have an idea based on maybe your parents or your friends or others, and you go to premarital counseling and you get a lot of good counseling. You know, and a lot of that good counseling that you get is not going to be a finality. You're not going to say it's going to be exactly like this. Why? Because we're people, <laughs> right? But they're going to give you some guidelines. You know, they'll give you guidelines to say, this is, you know, here's some parameters, and, and most of it's about you. <laughs> most of it's about you surrendering all, like we sang this morning. Come on. But when you jump in, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how your spouse will react in certain situations. And so a responder will jump in, and they may not know everything that's going to happen. But there's got to come a point in your life, folks, and please listen to me, where you make a decision. There's got to come a point in your life where you draw the line. Whether you're not saved, you need to make that decision. 
Am I going to serve the Lord? Or am I just going to go to church and it's going to be a club thing for me? You have to make a decision. Are you going to respond to the call? Or if you've already given your heart to the Lord, then maybe you're at the admirer stage. And you've got to draw that line and say, you know what? I'm tired of serving Jesus from afar. I mean, you can give your life to the Lord and say, listen, I'm good. I'm cool. Or as my brother would say, I'm straight. I'm straight. You know, don't ask me no more questions. I'm okay. I got saved. I just want to live my life out and go to heaven. But there has to come a point in your life where you draw that line and make a decision. Because that's not why Jesus died on the cross. Only just to get you to heaven. I know that sounds a little sacrilegious, doesn't it? To some. It was so much more than that. So much more than just getting you into heaven. I'm talking about walking in his favor. I'm talking about living an abundant life. Talking about blessing others, maturing, discipling others and being discipled. There's a whole life out there that you're missing because you simply want to remain an admirer. Maybe you're to the inquirer stage. And and I'm not downing because we've all at some one point or another have been at one of these stages probably. I know I have. So maybe you're at the inquirer stage. Nothing wrong with it. All I'm saying is there's got to come a point where you stop asking questions and jump in the pool. There's got to come a point where you say, okay, I've asked all the questions I'm going to ask. I've gathered all the data that I can gather. I've done all the addition and all the subtraction, all right, that I can do. I was telling my wife, she reminded me the other day of... uh, of, of an old, uh, old sergeant I had when I was in the army and we were on a recon mission over in Germany and, you know, we were looking at some papers and doing all this kind of stuff and, you know, I looked at him, I said, Sarge, I said, this just doesn't add up. He said, oh, it adds up. You just don't like what it adds up to. <laughs> See, sometimes we want to know the conclusion before we make uh, a decision to move forward. Well, sometimes you can't add it up because there are the secret things belong to the Lord. And we have a finite mind. Now, he'll reveal to us all things. But you see, he'll only reveal a certain amount. And then when you come a little further, he'll reveal some more to you. And when you decide to come a little further, he'll reveal some more. He's not going to reveal everything to you and then you can make up your mind. Come on, inquirers. There's got to come a point where you say enough of the questions. Because every question you ask is only going to lead to another question. And every answer God gives you is only going to lead to another question that you have. At some point, you've got to jump in. And I want you to know that this responder thing is not just a one-time thing, folks. It's not a thing like you just say, okay, well, Lord, okay, I'm responding today, and then that's it, once and for all time. Jesus died on the cross once for all time, but our response to that is continual. It's every day. Remember, Paul said, I die daily, every day. It's a new day as long as I'm in this flesh, right? The spirit is willing, but flesh is weak. As long as we're still in this flesh, we got to get up the next day and make that decision. I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond. It's not a one-time thing. We've got to keep going with it, don't we? The moment that you say, I'm as far as I'm going, don't bug me about it anymore, that's it, don't talk to me about it. And at that moment, something dies in your life. When you stop growing, 
something dies there. And you just begin to miss out on what it means to say, Lord, I will. What kind of life do you have for me? So much more. Well, because so many people think that living a life for the Lord is about rules and do's and don'ts. But if you really would read the Bible and stop listening to tradition, you would find out that, that Paul said, God said through Paul, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Come on. And he says, I would that you prosper even as your soul prospers. Now, I don't know about you, but I love someone who cares about me enough not just to see me have money, but he wants me to be fulfilled in every area of my life. My relationships, come on, family, right, my job, every area of my, even as my soul prospers. So we're talking about a journey this morning, the people on the journey. Who are the people on this journey? What can they be categorized as? Well, we've talked about that. We've, we've talked about the admirer and the inquirer and the responder. And, and the, the, the admirer, that's the multitudes. That's the crowds. Come on, that's, that's all those people who just want to come and see Jesus. Are you there? Okay? No problem with being there. Just don't stay in the same place. Right? No sense in being a freshman the rest of your life. Who wants to do that? Right? Nobody. Am I right, Alyssa? Come on, Shayla. Nobody wants to be a freshman the rest of your life. And then there are the inquirers. That's the many. There was the multitudes. Now there's many. A lot of people have questions. And it's a good thing. Good thing that people ask questions. Really, there's no greater thing to me than to have a question and ask it. Come on, have a question. You have some questions about the Lord? Don't keep it to yourself. Ask it until you get an answer. Seek. Jesus said what? Seek and you shall find. Come on, ask. I'll let you know. Knock. Door will be open. And then there's the sum. Those are the responders. Just some. See, we had a multitude of people that admired Jesus. I mean, there were tons of people that got healed and they just followed him around. They, they were there for the show. But as he got a little bit further and it came time to go to the cross, it went down to the many. There were many people who were following him now because now all of a sudden he got arrested and he's getting beaten. And I want to find out what's going on here. Is this really true? I have some questions. And then there are the responders. That went down to some. You know, there are those, there was a, the young man that helped him, helped him carry the cross. And there were those who, uh, you know, cried for him. And they talked and they said, surely this is the Son of God. And what can we do? And they went and they, uh, they prepared his body, Joseph did, and all of those things. And those were the responders. And then there's the few. You see, in the upper room, after Jesus died and rose again, there were only a few. Out of all those multitudes of people, and then he said, go to the upper room and wait. I'll pour out my spirit only at multitudes, thousands of people. How many in the upper room? 120 people out of all of those. 120, everybody scattered. So what's the responder's response to all of this? What more does God want me to do? This answer is very different for every single person listening to me, the answer to that. That's why I can't look at someone, I can't look at Cyril and say, hey, you know, he's doing this, I'm going to do that, and then I'll be blessed. No, because God has something different and unique for you. 
to do. It's different. So the question I have is, how many sermons do you have to hear? How many excuses are we going to make? Come on. At some point, you're going to have to make that decision. I'm going to follow Jesus or not. And I'm talking about to the unsaved and the saved. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. Come on. I bet if, if you were to turn on your television and you saw a news flash come across, said 60 minutes. I don't know if that show's even on anymore, is it? Mike Wallace still on there? Okay, I can use him. Mike Wallace, 60 minutes. Going to interview God tonight. We have God. You don't want to miss it. We got the big one. The man upstairs, the interview of all interviews. We're coming on, 6 o'clock. And you turn on your TV and say, wow, they're interviewing God. Look there, God's sitting there. He asks him a question. So, God, what about this thing? What about church? I would guarantee you that when it came to the issue of church, God would say, and I, I can't put words in God's mouth. He certainly could put words in mine, but I can't put words in his. But I would venture to say that God would say, you know, when it comes to church, there are many people that go to church, but few people that know me. And I am really looking for people to know me. I mean, there are, there's, there's probably 400, more than 400,000 Christian churches in America. I'm not talking about Buddhism or Muslim or uh, Universal Unitarian or another type of religion. I'm talking about Christian churches. More than 400,000 churches. I don't know how many mega churches with thousands of people in all of those churches. And all of those thousands and millions of people, God would say, very few know me. Very few are followers. A lot of church people. Well, they're Christian. Yeah, a lot of Christians, even. Out of that multitude, there are many that are Christians, but very few followers. You know, you've heard the old ad, the worn out adage by now just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car, right? And it's the same thing. Just because you're at church doesn't make you a Christian. And, and listen to this just because you're a Christian doesn't make you a disciple or a follower. Jesus now is looking for followers, folks. He's looking for followers. How many times are you going to hear the people say, hey, we need help here, we need uh, help there, or you need to be discipled, or whatever it is, or we're going on a fast, or whatever it is, and you'll say, not, not this time, for me, next time. When is it going to be your turn to jump into the pool? So what more does God want from me? When you look at this passage of Scripture in Ezekiel, some of you are familiar with the passage of Scripture. I won't read it, but there's a passage of Scripture in Ezekiel chapter 47. And it's a vision uh, God gives to Ezekiel. And he talks about the water. It says that he measured, I believe, a thousand furlongs off. And he, he said, go out to there. And he went out to there, and the water came up to his ankle. Some of you know this story. It's been preached uh, a thousand times, but some may not. He said, he went out there to the water, and it was up to my ankles. And he said, okay, so some would say, yeah, the water's up to my ankles. That's good. That's as far as I want to go. Don't want to go in anymore. He said, but then he measured out another thousand. And he said, go on out there. So he said, I went out a little further. And now all of a sudden, the water was up to my knees. 
I said, oh, okay, it's a little bit further. And then some would say, all right, you know, that's, that's good. Water's up to my knees. I'm in the water. I can say I'm in the water. And then they're satisfied with that. And then he said, all right, I'm going to measure out another thousand. So he measured it out. Person walked, Ezekiel walked out there and came up to his waist. And he said, boy, this is waist deep now. And now at this point, you lose a little bit of control. Because as you try to walk and wade through the water, it's not very easy to walk. See, when it's ankle deep, you can just kind of splash through. But when it's up to your waist, the water kind of controls you a little bit. And some people would get to that point and say, yeah, you know what? It's all good. All right, it's controlling me a little bit, but I still have some control. Some people are there. Is that you? Remember I said in this series, be honest with yourself. I'll never know. Come on, only you and the Lord. It's not, I'm not judging you. Or I'm, Be honest with yourself. Are you there? And then he measured out another thousand, and the water was so deep that he had to swim in it. Now you have to swim. And it's what? Sink or swim. <laughs> Are you a person that is prepared to go out into the deep? Are you a person that's prepared to go out to where God is calling you? Are you like Peter this morning, where he says, come on. You see, Peter was, Peter was an admirer. And he said, wow, Jesus is walking on the water. Then Peter became an inquirer because he said, well, Lord, if it's really you, I mean, it looks like you, seems like you, the voice sounds like you, but if it's really you, let me come onto the water. He's an inquirer. He's asking questions. Jesus gave him an answer. Come. Peter could have stayed an inquirer and said, well, um, yeah, will you smooth the water out a little bit or... Uh, how deep is the water? Can you stop the wind and I'll come out there? No, he didn't ask any more questions. He responded and he just got down out of the boat. Are you like him this morning that's ready to get down out of the boat and go deeper? Go to a place where you don't have control. You can't walk in the water. You have to start swimming. Are you prepared to do that this morning? There are seven model responders, tons of responders, but there's seven that I've chosen in the Bible. Seven responders and seven responses that we can look at this morning, very briefly. First one is Moses. How many are familiar with Moses? A little bit. How many have heard the name Moses? How many have a son named Moses? Okay, there we go. <laughs> Something about Moses. We know Moses. <laughs> one way or the other. Moses was walking along what the Bible calls the backside of the desert, and he saw a burning bush that was not consumed, right? And then, to his amazement and surprise, the bush started talking. But I want you to notice something. We won't read the passage of Scripture. No, Moses was walking along. The bush was over there burning. The Bible says he turned to see what this thing is all about. I'm inquiring now. Wait a minute. I have some questions. Some people would have just run. Probably me. A bush is burning and it's not being consumed. I'm out of here. <laughs> But Moses stopped and said, wait a minute. And the Bible said he turned to gaze upon this thing and look at it and say, what in the world is going on here? And then he walked over to the bush. To his amazement, it called out to him, Moses, 
Now, I know at that point I would have run. Come on. I'm out of there then. Bush started talking. Moses. Moses had said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. Why does this bush not burn? He turned aside. But then when the Lord called to him Moses, Moses did something that we need to do. He responded, here I am, Lord. Here I am. How many of us would respond like Moses? Another version says that God saw that he had stopped to look. God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. He said, yes, I'm right here. Someone's calling me. I'm right here, Lord. The first response of Moses is that he turned aside. He responded to the signs of God in his path. How many of us will look and turn aside and see the signs of God in our path? Respond to it. Respond to it. Another one is Samuel. Samuel. The Lord was talking to him. Samuel. Samuel. He got up and went to Eli. He said, hey, I'm sleepy. What is it? Eli said, I'm not calling you. Go back to sleep. He said, all right. Went back to sleep. Samuel. Samuel. Said, Man. Got up. Eli. What is it? He said, I'm not calling you. I don't know why you keep coming to me. Are you dreaming? You having a bad dream? Did you eat pizza? What's going on? Go back to sleep. Samuel. He came running to Eli again, and Eli said, oh, took him three times to get it himself. Wait a minute. Maybe the Lord is calling you. <laughs> the next time you hear that voice, respond to it. So the next time he called him, he said, speak. I am listening. I'm here, Lord. Let me know. What about Isaiah? The Lord said, whom shall we send? Whom shall we send? Isaiah raised his hand and said, guess what? I'm available. Here I am. Send me. Woe is me in your presence. I can't speak in your presence. I shouldn't even look in your presence. But God said, I need you to do something. He said, here I am. Send me. Send me. One of my favorite ones is what about Mary? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, Mary had to be one who was absolutely and totally in shock. Because, come on ladies, if someone comes to you and says, listen, you've been with no man, nor will you be with the man, but you're going to get pregnant. <laughs> it's like, uh, really? You're going to get, she was in shock. An angel appeared to her, first of all. That's shocking. And then what he says to her, you're going to be pregnant. That's what I call double shocking. And then, not only that, he said, you're going to have the Lord. The Savior of the world. That's shocking to the 10th power. Come on, that's just out there now. Me? But you know what she said after all of that shock? She said, let it be done unto me. Let this happen to me, as you have said. Now that's a response, folks. You want me to do what? <laughs> Drive the van? Be an usher? Help with I don't even like kids. <laughs> but let this happen to me. And you would say that in the children's meeting. Let this know. 
Mary responded. Ananias. Ananias responded to the Lord and said, Lord, use me however you want to use me. I don't even care. The Lord told Ananias, hey, listen, Saul's coming to your house. That's the point in the movie where the music goes dun dun dun. <laughs> because Paul was a murderer of Christians. Guess what Ananias was? A Christian. <laughs> and the Lord said, Saul's coming to your house. And I want you to welcome him with open arms. And I've got some things for him to do. He must suffer greatly for my word. But it hinges on you. Because you're going to have to disciple him and pray for him. Whew. He said, guess what? All right, that's fine. Use me however you want to use me. And then what about the man himself? Saul, Paul, come on. This man thought he was doing the will of the Lord. Now here, I'm talking to somebody right here. This man, listen to me now, he thought he was doing the will of the Lord. I mean, he knew the law. Come on, you know the story, some of you. He knew the law. He was raised in the law, raised in the, raised in the temple and the synagogues. All right? He was a great teacher even. He was carrying out what he believed God wanted him to do through the priests, through the Pharisees. Raised up to be a Pharisee. Thought he was doing the work of the Lord. Come on now. Let's do a little introspection here. Thought he was doing the work of the Lord. Was walking along. All of a sudden, bam, knocked to the ground. And the Lord said to him, why do you kick against the pricks, Paul? And he said, wait a minute, Lord, I'm doing your work. I don't understand. But you know what his response was? Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? This is where we need to be. What do you want me to do? And then... There are a bunch of potential disciples. Because Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, first of all, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, I like that word out of the King James and the New King James there. Because it says, take up your cross, not just pick it up. See, pick it up would indicate... It could be a feather, it could be an envelope, it could be just something light. But he said, take up your cross. It may take some work. Bend down, take up the cross, and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross. Now, let me just help you a little bit. Because some may say, what does that mean, take up my cross? And why do I have to take up a cross? What does that mean? Well, do we know what the cross symbolized? Really, for Jesus, it was what? It was death. This is what it symbolizes for us. Deny yourself, take up your cross. In other words, kill self. Kill it. Have your cross with you. Come on. So at any point, any moment in time, you can say, self, you're nailed to the cross. It's not about me. It's all about him. You're staying on that cross, self. You're staying there. You see, responders are those that, those that take the risk. You respond in faith. Responders are repenters. 
Responders take the risk of asking the question, what more do you want of me, Lord? I repent, and now I want to go deeper in you. Romans 10.10 says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's the first step, the first step on the road. We must repent. Responders recognize the ownership of Christ as Lord in their life. With obedience summed up in two words. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All of his promises to us are yes and amen. We should have those same two words to him. I need you to serve in the church. Yes, Lord. I need you to be a disciple. Yes, Lord. I need you to read my word a little bit more. Yes, Lord. I'm going to need you to pray because I want to talk to you. Yes, Lord. Come on. I want you to go out and tell others about me. Yes, Lord. Come on. Yes, Lord is a response of willingness. Willing means to incite, to impel, to compel. Come on. Willingness means I'm ready to do it, to be in a state of desiring to do something. Do something. It's coming to a point, saints, that we have to do something. My mother used to have a phrase, but I won't repeat it in here. Steve knows what I'm talking about. It's time to do something. (laughs) Do something or get up. You know, it comes to a point in our life, saints, where we have to say, okay, Lord, I'm going deeper. See, we talk about, I'd like to see the church grow. I'd like to grow, right? I'd like to see us, our music ministry grow. I'd like to see our children's ministry grow. I'd like to see our youth ministry grow. I'd like to see the roots ministry grow. Uh, You know, I'd like to see every part of our church grow. I'd just like to see it better. But... Don't take this the wrong way, and it's not life, just life, church. We've been saying that for years. Now it's time to do something. Do something. What does that mean? First of all, we have to work on self. We need to read the word a little bit more. We need to be disciple. Young man emailed Uh, here a couple weeks ago and said you know what I've been listening to the sermons and I've been coming and I've been worshiping and I just I realize I've been in church for years but you know what I realize I need to be discipled I just need to be discipled I need to be with someone I need to hook up with somebody so that I can know a little bit more and go a little bit deeper this person has moved from an inquirer to a responder come on because they want to go deeper they're on the road to being a follower And once God shapes them and molds them as a follower, that person is going to be a great reproducer. Our church is not going to grow unless we reproduce, folks. It's like sitting out on the porch, looking out at your lawn, saying, boy, I wish uh, grass would grow out here. Or looking at your tomato garden, saying, man, I'd like to see some tomatoes grow up. I'd like to see some tomatoes in that garden. And you go back in the house. You come back out next week and say, man, no tomatoes. I sure would like to see some tomatoes. You know what an expert gardener would tell you? (laughs) Do something. 
plant some seeds, put down a little water, till the ground, right? This is what we need to do. We need to start with self. Till the ground of your heart. Come on. Have a little introspection. Say, am I where I need to be? I'll tell you this. I'll be transparent and admit to you as a pastor. I know I'm not. I know I have a long way to go. That's why every day, like Paul, I say I die daily. Right? Come on, Lord. I know. Help me. I look at those things. Ask God to reveal them. It's a point in our life where we need to do something. Where are you along the journey? Are you an admirer this morning? Are you part of the multitude that says, I want to come to Jesus because of how good he is? Are you an inquirer this morning? Do you have tons of questions? Some that just don't seem to be getting answered. Are you a responder this morning? Are you that person that lifts your hand and says, Lord, use me. I'm ready. You want me to be a leader? Disciple me. You want me to do something? You want me to be a part of a ministry? I'm here. You show it to me. I'll do whatever it is. I remember one time I was listening to a pastor, and he was, this pastor was kind of frustrated with his walk and with his congregation, actually, and uh, because he was a person who was trying to take his church a little bit further, and uh, you know, he, did, he just wasn't getting a lot of volunteers to help out. And uh, what he was getting was a lot of people were saying, well, I'm just not led to do that, you know. And so you have a lot of people in the church, and this was a, this was a mega church, actually. And a lot of people in the church, but just not many people led to do it, you know. And that's not led. You ever heard that? Come on, church people, you've heard that before. I'm just not led to do that. And so, uh, you know, he, so he passed around a pencil to everybody and told them to feel it. And went all the way through the church, and each of them felt the pencil. And he said, now you have felt led. So come on. (laughs) There comes a point where we have to do something. Stand to your feet this morning.